0: The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, we're going to jump right into the message today. So if you are a note taker, and I hope that you are, you can write this title down, Grow in Your Career. We've been going through different biblical uh, uh, principles that really apply to our everyday lives because the Bible applies to our everyday lives. Amen. And so we want to talk about our careers today and how we can grow in our career. So we want to really focus on something I think that we dedicate a large portion of our lives to, and that is our career. I did some research, and the average full-time worker spends 10 years of their lives working. So 10 full years of your life is spent working. Wow, 10 years. Or 92,120 hours spent in your lifetime working So since work makes up a huge part of our lives and the Bible has quite a bit to say about it, we as followers of Christ need to make sure that we are growing in our view of work, our attitude towards work, and in our effort towards work. So today we're going to learn how to grow in our career. Notice I didn't say we're going to learn how to grow our career necessarily as much as we're going to learn how to grow in our career because God uses our work to help us and gives us actually a regular platform and a regular opportunity of ministry, a regular uh, daily almost opportunity to grow in Christ-likeness and in godliness. And we're going to talk about 10 things this morning that are going to help us to grow in impacting our careers so that we can grow in Christ-likeness. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to work in a way that would please God. This is really the start and the ending point of this message this morning because if we get this and we understand this and we think about this, meditate on this, and allow this to drive our efforts when it comes to work, it's really going to point us in the right direction that God wants us to go if we do it as unto the Lord. Work in a way That would please God. Now, we want to drill that down a little bit. We want to kind of refine that and define that and clarify that a little bit more. But at the same time, keep that at the forefront of your heart. Keep that at the forefront of your mind. Would the things that I'm doing, and the way, more importantly, and the attitude in which I'm doing them, would it please God? I know that it's getting me the paycheck, and I know I'm angry at the boss or the company and what I don't get and what I don't have. And those are the things that too many people focus on, and they don't think about working in a way that would please God. You see, Scripture is very clear about this. In Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says this, Colossians 3 verse 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. He said, Listen, you're serving Jesus. We should be different. Amen. People should get excited when they find out that we're followers of Christ and they get an opportunity for us to actually work for them. They should be excited to hire people who are followers of Jesus because that should mean something more in the effort that we give. It should mean something more in the level of excellence in which we execute and the things that we do and how we do it. It should mean more because we are not doing it just for a paycheck. We're not doing it just because, well, i got to do something. I guess I'll do this job. No, we're doing it as unto the Lord because we understand something. We are serving Jesus Christ. We get that it's not just about us trying to earn an income, but it's about us actually showing the love and truth of Christ in this platform, in this opportunity, in this environment that we call work. So we know that we should do this for the Lord. We know we need to work in a way that would please God. But how do we do it? How do we work as if we were doing it for God? What does God value? And how do we know that the way that we are working is pleasing God? Well, for that, we have to look to Scripture, and we have to keep the idea of providing for our family, Yes, that's very important, but even more important than just providing for our family is pleasing the Lord and serving the Lord. Amen? If we put that at the forefront and we put that first, of course we're going to take care of our family, but we need to work in a way that would please God. So that has to be at the forefront of our hearts and mind to work in a way that would please God. The second thing that we have to do is we as employees and employers and workers and and, and people that are laboring, man, we have to set the ethical standard. I'm not saying we're going to follow the ethical standard. I believe we as followers of Christ should set the ethical standard. Don't shout me down this morning when I'm preaching good. I believe we have the responsibility to be standard bearers as Christ followers. I believe we have that responsibility. I believe each one of us that claims Christ has a responsibility to bear the standard, to not see what I can get away with, not see how close I can get to the fire without walking away smelling like smoke, but instead, seeing how can I do this in a way that would please God and honor God and set the ethical standard. Let's go over to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. If you have your Bible this morning, Second Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to look here at some of the words of the Apostle Paul. And I love what he says here in Second Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 6. He said, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness. So this guy's not doing anything. All right, don't hang out with people who aren't doing anything. They're just idle. That's what Paul is saying here. Not in accord with the tradition you receive from us. Verse 7, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. "...nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate." Paul realized that even though he was the guest of honor, even though he was the guy that was supposed to be treated as, if, as, as a special guest, he said, I'm going to make sure if you give me bread, I'm going to pay for it. Not because I have to, because I know you're wanting to give it to me. I understand that and I appreciate that. But I rather would set an example for you because I know that you would have a tendency to fall back into using that as justification and excuse for you not doing anything. Well, Paul didn't do anything while he was here, so I guess that means we don't have to do anything either. And Paul said, I'm not going to allow that to happen. So instead, I'm going to set the standard. I'm going to set the ethical standard to give you guys something to imitate, is what Paul said, to give you something to follow. He said, don't allow yourselves to get caught up in being idle. Stay away from being around people that would make you think that being idle and not doing anything and just mooching off of somebody is okay. Paul wasn't a moocher. He wasn't going to carry that label. He wasn't going to misuse the company time. He wasn't going to take advantage of the situation. Instead, Paul took the responsibility to be seen as an example, even though he was a guest. It was more important to him than to be honored and treated as a guest to set an example. That was the responsibility that Paul decided to take. So, I mean, what do people do to cheat the system? I mean, there's so many things we feel entitled to. We feel justified in our reasoning and in our rationale. Well, they asked me to do this, so I guess I'm going to, in turn, do this instead. Or everybody does it, right? Just part of our company culture. Everybody shows up late. It's not a big deal. Everybody takes a little longer lunch. Everybody does this. And we begin to make these blanket excuses because it's an accepted norm of dysfunction and nobody's setting the standard. We're all just doing what everyone else is doing because we feel entitled and we feel as if they owe us something. Maybe we feel underpaid, undervalued, and we feel like that that attitude is justification for poor work or living below the standard that would please God. And it's not. It's not. We should be doing it as unto the Lord, not because everyone else in the company can get away with it. Paul understood this and he wanted the people in Thessalonica to get this, that we're not going to abuse break allotments. We're not going to abuse spending accounts. We're not going to take supplies from the company. We're not going to use our uh, time just to sit around and play on social media instead of working because we have a higher calling. Oh, I can tell this is going to be one of those shouting messages. (laughs) Just because someone else may abuse the system doesn't give us a right or justification to do it. We have a higher calling, and that is to set the ethical standard as followers of Christ. Amen, somebody. And I know that's not always the easiest nor the most fun thing to do. And sometimes you feel very isolated and alone. Do it as unto the Lord, not because of men, not because you're trying to score brownie points with the boss, but because it's what would honor God. Amen, somebody. The third thing is we're going to exceed expectations as followers of Christ, We who are people who carry the name of Christ should not just meet the bare minimum and then exhale. I believe we as people of God should exceed expectations. We should go above and beyond. Meeting expectations is one thing, but I really spent some time in preparing this message thinking about the different times in my life and the different opportunities that I've had to exceed expectations, some that I did well in, some that I've just did the bare minimum. I've, I've done both just like everyone else has. But the times that I exceeded expectations, it always comes from the heart when you're exceeding expectations. There's something deeper on the inside of you that's driving. There's a deeper why. There's a deeper cause. There's something that says, I know that the clock says this, but because I am so passionate about this, I feel driven to exceed expectations. And I know that it was only asked that something be presented in this way, but I want to go further and I want to exceed expectations. One of the things that I personally am always doing is I'm always looking for ways to grow as a teacher, preacher of the Word of God. Some people would say, oh, you're good enough. And there are times where I have been tempted to coast with where I'm at as a teacher, preacher, speaker, what have you. But I always want to grow. I always want to improve. I always want to make sure that I'm growing an effective communication of the Word of God, that I'm handling the Word of God and challenging myself in a way that, that, that I'm always looking at Scripture in a healthy way, in a contextual way, and that I don't just get comfortable and just coast because I know how to do it or know what to say. And for that reason, I have never In my 18 years of preaching the Word of God, I have never just straight up went to a file drawer and pulled out a sermon, blew the dust off of it, and just ran with it just as is. I I can't do that. I I prepare my sermons uh, and my sermon map uh, a year in advance to where I put my whole sermon map together for the whole year, but the actual message I prepare each week. And the reason I do that is because, A, I want it to be fresh, and it has to be something that's fresh in my heart even though I know what I'm going to be speaking on. And sometimes those things actually even change on that sermon map. But I want to keep ahead, and I want to keep investing, and I want to keep growing, and I don't just want to get in a rhythm of doing something that I just know how to do, and, oh, this is good enough. Let me tell you, good enough is the enemy of great. So we don't need to just be good enough. We need to exceed expectations. Amen, somebody. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 5, Paul talks about the generosity of the Macedonians and how he was blown away by their generosity, that they didn't only give to God first, but they exceeded the expectations by blessing Paul's ministry, and they were actually a poor area. And he didn't have high expectations from the Macedonians because he knew that they were poor. And so he went into this without really expecting them to you know, just go above and beyond, but they did. And he said, because of your heart, because of your generosity, because of that, we were greatly blessed and we were blown away. You exceeded our expectations is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8 and 5. So what can you do to exceed expectations at work? How can you not just meet the bare minimum, not just feel like, oh, I did the bare minimum just to barely skirt by. But how can you actually exceed expectations and do it for the Lord? Exceed the expectations of your boss, of your customers, of your spouse. Hello, somebody. I don't know if she's going to talk about marriage. I thought we were talking about work. Well, didn't you hear Jocelyn earlier? I think that she said marriage is work. We have to put in the work. And a lot of times... We only do the bare minimum with our kids. We only do the bare minimum with our spouse. We only do the bare minimum in our walk and our relationship with God. Just enough to feel good enough about what we've done. Are we really investing? That comes from the heart, man. When you exceed expectations, it's because you're engaged on another level. It's not just a level of what can I get out of the deal, because if you have found out what you have to do to get what you want out of the deal, and that's all you're in it for is what you can get out of it, then you're going to do exactly what it takes to get exactly what you want because you're making it about yourself. For your heart to be engaged and for you to be selflessly serving, it takes a different level of care, engagement, and involvement, and passion, understanding why you do what what you do, and who you're truly doing it for. It's a different level of engagement. And that's when we grow in exceeding expectations. The fourth thing is that we are going to be faithful, consistent, and dependable. So there's kind of a three in one there. And I know those words may sound similar, but yet they're very different. We're going to be faithful. That means that we are going to show up. We are going to show up and be the type of people that are faithful to whatever it is we've committed to do. And when we've committed to do something, we're going to strive to be consistent in what we've committed to do. It's not just going to be something where we burn out after a week, and, and that's not faithfulness. We're going to be consistent in it. We're going to make a daily renewed commitment to make sure that we execute on what we have committed to be faithful to do. And then we're going to be reliable. We're going to be dependable. We're going to be people that are counted on. People that when they say they're going to do something, when they say they're going to show up, when they say they're going to execute a certain project at a certain time. Man, when we work in that way and we grow in our career that way, it honors and glorifies God, doesn't it? Luke 16 and 10 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest In much. It's not just, oh, I just need to win the lottery so I can be idle and sit around and do nothing, because that really hasn't worked out for a whole lot of people, if you have kind of followed that. You know, I think that we miss the opportunity in the little things to see the value in being faithful and being consistent, being dependable. And if we're always chipping away at these, at these little things that we don't find value in being dependable or consistent or faithful in, we don't realize over a period of time how that's affecting us when we give in to those little temptations or when we give in to those little opportunities to maybe not be as consistent and make some excuses and make some Personal justifications to why we're not dependable or it's always someone else's fault, right? I mean, it's 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 the kid's fault. It's the wife's fault. It's 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 the fact that, you know You couldn't sleep. It's the fact that you're just so tired It's the fact that you're just so stressed and it's always something or someone else's fault to why we can't be faithful consistent and dependable Listen when Christ said that in Luke 16 He said whoever can be trusted with this with very little can be trusted with much if you're faithful in those little things If you're faithful and consistent and dependable in those little things, then you can be trusted with more and you can grow and be faithful and consistent and dependable with much. We all think that having much will actually solve all of our problems. But sometimes, right, more money, more problems, right? It's not how it works sometimes because you think it's going to solve your problems and it doesn't. It doesn't. You think, oh, if, if I could just get the promotion or, oh, if my spouse could work and now we're both making all of this money and you're like, oh, this is going to solve everything. And then you find yourself even more stressed out and more frustrated than before. And you thought the more money was going to be the answer to your problems. Well, if I could just win the lottery, if I could just do this, I just do that. And it doesn't work that way, folks. It's being faithful, consistent, and dependable in the little things. And people that are working in a way that would please God understand that they need to grow in being faithful, being consistent, and being dependable. That means when you give your word, when you say you're going to do something, that you do it. It's that simple. If you have made a commitment to do something, if there's an expectation there because you have set the expectation by your personal commitment, say, yes, I agree, to do this job or to show up at this time or to make this type of commitment that you do it and you do it well, not just because you get a paycheck in return, but because your heart is for the Lord and because you're doing it as unto the Lord. That's a completely different commitment than just committing to a company or to a job or to a position, even though those things are important too. But more importantly, is our, our, when we give our word, we're giving our word as representatives of Christ. Do we get that? Sometimes we do. Sometimes I get that. Sometimes I forget that. Sometimes I forget it's not just Derek making a commitment. It's, it's me as a representative of Christ making a commitment. And I don't want to sully the name of Christ simply because I become not faithful and unfaithful and inconsistent and not dependable at all, because that actually hurts my witness for the gospel, and the impact that God wants to make in eternity through my life. So I need to be faithful, consistent, and dependable for the glory and honor of God. The fifth thing that we're going to grow in and growing in our careers, we're going to avoid participating in negativity. Oh, somebody. I got some scriptures for us this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to try to follow along with me, you can. Otherwise, just write them down because I'm going to go quick. Ephesians 4 and verse 29, the Apostle Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. He says, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, and may it give grace. To those who hear. Flip over to James chapter 1, the book of James chapter 1 and verse 26. Scripture says this If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart and his religion is worthless. Oh, snap. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 16, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 28 says, A dishonest man spreads strife and a gossip separates close friends. I could go on and on and on. I just picked three. (laughs) Scripture over and over again talks about the power of our words and the power of our tongue and, and how our words, we don't realize that when we participate in negativity, whether it may be grumbling and griping and murmuring and complaining because they're not doing this for us or they're not doing that for us or you gripe and complain about your customers or you gripe and complain about your co-workers or you gripe and complain about your boss. Man, if we're going to be people who are growing in a way and working in a way that's going to please God, we have to avoid participating in negativity. I get it. Negativity is going to exist wherever you're at. You're not going to be able to run away from it. So get rid of this notion and this idea that there's something wrong with your work environment and you've got to go find another job because your work environment is just so negative. You know why your work environment is negative? I'll tell you why. Because there's people there. <laughs> that's why. Because there's people there. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be the victim, or be the instigator, or be someone who feels unfairly or unjustly treated, and they want to give voice to that. And they want to give voice to that for the purpose of finding other people to share their frustration. And when you begin to hunt out and seek those people, or when those people begin to seek out and find you, because they're going to try, they're going to try to come tap you on the shoulder and drag you in I'm not saying you can escape negativity altogether. I don't care if you work for a Christian company, you're still going to find negativity. I don't care if you work at a church. You're going to find times and opportunities where the enemy would want to tempt you into negative conversation that's not healthy. And I'm not saying that it's not going to exist. I'm just encouraging you this morning to avoid participating in it. So in other words, don't play the game. Don't get suckered into it because it's not going to help you. It's not going to help your relationship. It's not going to help your attitude. It's not going to help your work ethic. It's not going to help you to be motivated to exceed expectations. It's not going to help you be motivated to set the ethical standard. It's making you focused on yourself and focused on how things aren't more to your liking, and then all of a sudden you begin to get very disgruntled and upset and it's not just about even if the company may be not treating you fairly. I'm, I'm not saying that all companies treat all employees fairly. So I'm not giving all companies a pass. I'm just saying your attitude in that circumstance is key. Your attitude in that circumstance is key. Because there are going to be employers and bosses and, and, and people that are managers that are going to take advantage of your time, your talent, your efforts. And they're going to try to squeeze every ounce of you out of you. And, and I get that. I get that there's places that are not fun to work. I've worked in some of those places. One of them was a church. One of them was a bomb factory. That's right. Your pastor put together bombs in his early days. (laughs) Just another fun fact about Pastor Derek. You may or may not have known. I was a bomb putter togetherer. (laughs) That was not a fun job. But yet even in that work environment, am I doing this as unto the Lord? Am I doing this as unto the Lord? Am I doing this for the Lord? or am I just doing it for myself? Am I doing it for the Lord, or am I doing it for myself? We've got to avoid participating in negativity. The sixth thing, and this is a fun one, we're going to look for ways to be a blessing to the company. <laughs> Don't everybody cheer and amen at once. You see, we've got to get away from this idea that uh, the company is the enemy, and somehow we're just there as peons to just simply try to draw a check. If that's our attitude, then we're not going to serve in a way that's very Christ-like. It, it's going to keep our heart in a, bad, in a bad place. I don't care if it's McDonald's, if it's Walmart, I don't care if it's some corporate office. It doesn't matter what your pay scale is, it doesn't matter what's going on in the company. We, as followers of Christ, need to look for ways to be a blessing to the company because you are a representative of Jesus Christ everywhere you go you're not wearing a Jesus hat that you take off when you go to work or you shouldn't be that's a different sermon, write that one down look for ways to be a blessing to the company because you're a representative of Christ check this out, let's go over to Genesis chapter 39 We're going to talk for a minute about somebody who was a blessing to someone who actually had him in his employment because he was a slave. Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. His brothers sold him into slavery because they were jealous of Joseph. They were jealous because Joseph had favor with his dad And they wanted to kill him, but instead of killing him because they didn't want that on their conscience, what they did was they instead sold him into slavery because that was somehow better in their minds. And an Egyptian guy was the guy that ended up having Joseph in his house to work. So Joseph is in an environment not by choice, but because he's forced to be there. He's in the home of an Egyptian who is not a follower of God, the same God that Joseph was Uh, raised to follow following false idols. so he is in an unbelieving household serving for someone by force i don't think anyone is in that circumstance here you may feel like it at times but you're not in that circumstance but let's see what joseph's attitude and how he handled himself and what god did while joseph was in this forced situation in an unbelieving house having to work for an unbeliever Genesis chapter 39 and verse 1 says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in the sight in his sight and attended him and he made him an overseer of his whole house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made Joseph an overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Man, (laughs) when I look at that scripture, I think it kind of takes away all of our excuses for not giving our best and working as unto the Lord because Joseph understood something we need to catch. He understood he wasn't just doing this because this was unfair, right? He had a choice. He could have just been a mediocre slave that was just like everybody else that did just enough to get by because I'm in this terrible Egyptian's house. I'm in this guy's house who, who, who he's bought me as a slave. He's forcing me to do all these things. I don't even have a choice in the matter and he's not even a believer on top of that, but I'm going to serve with excellence. Man, what type of heart would that take? What type of focus would that take to say, you know what, I'm doing this as unto the Lord and not just for myself. Potiphar's house was blessed because Joseph was there. And the place that you work can be blessed by the very fact that you work there if you work in a way that would please the Lord. If you work in a way that would please the Lord, even if your company is not a Christian company, even if the CEO is not a Christian CEO, that does not matter. What matters is that somebody's there as a representative of Christ showing a better way, showing a higher standard, making a different type of impact. Amen? Anybody can go and earn a paycheck. Anybody can go do the bare minimum. Anybody can have a bad attitude. And you know what? Most do. But we as followers of Christ have a different agenda and a different opportunity. You can be a blessing to Bemis because you work there. You can be a blessing to Kohler Company because you work there. You can be a blessing to Rockline because you work there. You can be a blessing to Walmart because you work there. You can be a blessing to McDonald's because you work there. You can be a blessing to the, I don't care if it's a small organization, if it's a large corporate organization, it doesn't matter. You are a follower of Christ. Amen, somebody. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? You can be a blessing wherever you are, wherever, whatever the work circumstances are. And when you do, it glorifies God. So look for ways. What are some things you could do to be a blessing to that company? Well, I'll tell you, if you work in a way that would please God, you will begin to see things that you didn't see before because you're doing it as unto the Lord and not just to please men and not just to draw a paycheck. Hello, somebody. So look for creative ways. I believe God will give you creative ideas, and there will be creative opportunities that will present themselves for you to be a blessing to the company you work for, regardless of the circumstance, regardless if they're Christians or not. It doesn't matter because it didn't matter in Joseph's case. And God used Joseph in a powerful way in that circumstance to be a blessing to that employer or that, that, that master. He was able to show the goodness of God. And it actually caused, if, if you caught that in Scripture, it caused Potiphar to actually recognize that it was the Lord. He, it wasn't just the fact that Joseph's such a great guy. He didn't say, "Oh, Joseph has all these great skills. Oh, he's so talented." No, it said, "Actually," it said, "and Potiphar recognized that it was the Lord." We saw that there in that little section of chapter 39, verse 1 through 5. So that leads me to the seventh thing: is that we're going to be watchful and ready for opportunities. That's something we need to always be looking for in order to grow in our career. 1 Peter 5 and 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. We have to do this thing with humility, but we need to always be watchful and ready for opportunities. Through humility, through faithfulness, God opens doors and opportunities that will present themselves. It's not when I get passed over for a promotion. It's not when I get passed over for some sort of advancement. I get aggravated and frustrated. No, instead, I'm going to humble myself and allow God to present those opportunities and open up those opportunities at the right time, but I'm going to make sure that I'm ready. I'm going to make sure that I'm investing. I'm going to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'm being faithful, I'm being consistent, I'm being dependable, that I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And then when those opportunities come, that I'm ready. So I'm watching, and I'm ready for opportunities. Listen, when those doors open, you need to always pray and seek God and say, is this the right time, Lord? But be ready to say yes, if it is. What opportunities are there at work? Instead of feeling entitled, I deserved this, instead, be humble. Allow yourself to be humbled under the mighty hand of God. Allow yourself to be humbled in the sense that I'm not doing this just so I can get to here, but instead, I'm going to humble myself, and when the opportunity presents itself, God is this you, and if yes, then I'm going to be ready for that opportunity. Galatians 6 and 9 says, not to get weary in well-doing. Sometimes you're doing the right thing, and no one else is. And it gets tiring sometimes, doesn't it? Let's be real. It's okay. I won't tell anybody you nodded your head. (laughs) You know that sometimes doing the right thing can be exhausting when everyone else is doing the wrong thing and seems to be getting away with it. It's exhausting when you're trying to carry a higher standard sometimes, and you're trying to do the right things for the right reasons. It can get weary. It can get exhausting. You can be criticized over it. You can be ostracized over it. You can be judged over it. And people can separate from you as a result of it because you're trying to carry a higher standard. Man, that can can be hard sometimes. And I know that and I get that. But Paul said to the Galatians, don't get weary in well-doing. Do the right thing because it's the right thing because the right thing is always the right thing. The right thing is always the right thing. So you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and be watchful for those opportunities. Be ready, but always keep doing the right thing because it's the right thing. And when those opportunities present themselves, man, you need to be ready. You need to be ready, but make sure that you never get to that place where you begin to get angry, where you begin to get bitter, where you begin to get jealous, where you begin to feel entitled. Because that'll be an unhealthy thing, and it doesn't glorify God when we allow ourselves to be in that frame of mind and that attitude and that heart when, in, when it comes to our career or anything in life, really. Number eight, view your work as a part of your ministry, all right? Your work is actually a regular opportunity of ministry if you will look at it as such. I don't care if you own your own company. I don't care if you, if, if you just work part-time somewhere. View your work as an opportunity for ministry. This is a piece of it. This is a part. This is a regular platform. God has given you to actually do ministry. Guess what? Shocker. Ministry happens outside of church on Sunday. Bum, bum, bum. Mind blown, right? Ministry happens. Actually, I think that some of the most effective ministry happens in our day to day. When we're going through what would seem like a normal day, but yet because we're consistent, because we're faithful, because we're dependable, because we're working as unto the Lord, all of a sudden it becomes now a channel, an avenue God is using to actually make an eternal impact in people's lives. It doesn't matter if you're working with people every day and um, in, in doing some type of assembly or factory work, you're still working with and around people. Don't think it's just for people that have big personalities working sales jobs. Because people who have big personalities and work sales jobs, yeah, you've got a direct line and direct contact with a lot of people throughout the day. And yeah, you need to use that as an opportunity. That's a part of your ministry, man. God has put you in that place for a specific reason, for this specific time to be able to touch lives for the kingdom of God. By the way you act, by the way you interact, by the way you deal with them honestly, by the way you're dependable, consistent, and faithful. Not just by the fact that you tell them you're a Christian, but by the way you show them that you're a Christian. That makes a lot... Bigger difference. But man, even if you're working uh, on on an assembly line and you may say, Well, I have earplugs in all day, you know, because of the noise of the machines, or I work out on a farm and I'm by myself. Well, at some point, at some way, you're affecting people or you're interacting with people at some level. I don't care how isolated your job may be. But your work is a part of your ministry, your gifts and your calling. It goes beyond your role. It goes beyond your job. Guess what? My calling, who God has called me to be, Derek Armstrong, goes beyond being the pastor of Word of Grace. What? That's right. Because what, do I, do I take off my pastor hat when I go to a restaurant? Do I take off my pastor hat when I go grocery shopping? No. My day-to-day interactions are still a part of my ministry that God has called me to. Amen. It's not just because I'm a pastor, but rather it's because I'm a follower of Christ. There's a difference there. We're all followers of Christ. Yeah, I work in a church, but what about when I'm not doing church work? Am I still seeing myself as someone who is still called to be a minister outside of what I do at Word of Grace? Not because of Word of Grace, but because of God? Because I'm a follower of Jesus? The next thing that we need to do, number nine, is we need to grow in our career by playing to our strengths. We need to play to our strengths because God has given you skills, God has given you strengths, and you will enjoy the work you do more if it plays to your strengths. Go to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 29. Proverbs 22. Is this helping anybody today? If you say no, it'll be awkward, so. <laughs> yeah. Proverbs twenty. 22 and verse 29 says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. What are you excelling in? What are you excellent in? What are the things that God has gifted you in that you're naturally drawn to, the things that you're passionate about, things that you're strong in? You know, I think so many times people try to only focus on their weaknesses. And our weaknesses are so much in front of us sometimes that people only want to focus on those areas and I'm not saying you don't need to improve your weaknesses by all means we all need to improve our weaknesses but there are natural strengths that God has given you natural passions natural gifts that he has given you and if we allow ourselves to actually see those strengths that God has given us that God has put in us and those desires then we, we, we can do things that will actually be a lot more satisfying a lot more beneficial for us and for other people if we invest in those things that God has given us to be strong at and to develop those. And not just allow those things just to kind of coast. Even like I told you about me investing in my teaching and preaching. I feel like that that's a gift. It's a strength that I have. But I want to still invest in that. I want to grow in that. I don't want to coast in it just because it's something that I feel that I'm confident in being able to do that God has given me this gift to do. I still want to grow and I still want to develop. I still want to invest in that strength because as we invest in developing those strengths, it will continue to open doors and help us to grow. So what do you enjoy? What are you naturally passionate about? What are you naturally talented to do? I think that too many times in our world, especially with all the negativity surrounding us, we just spend more time thinking about what we can't do. Oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do this. Oh, I couldn't do what that person does. And that's all we focus on. Why well, don't instead we focus on what has God put in you? What are the things that God has helped you to see and help you do? And I know one of the things that we've done uh, here at church recently through this series is that we have made the uh, community group study guides available. I would encourage every one of you to go and get a copy of that this week because I have on there a spiritual gifts assessment link on there that's a free deal that you can go and actually do a spiritual gifts assessment. It'll help you to see some things that you're naturally good at, maybe some things that God has uh, uh, equipped you to do that maybe you didn't see in yourself before. Uh, That link is on that document. You can go up by the community group wall out there after service and go and uh, go grab one. And I would love for you to take that. And if you need some help, kind of drilling that down and refining that and helping you to see that so you can invest in those strengths. And the last thing that we're going to do to grow in our career is we're going to invest in personal development. This is so huge. We should all be growing. We should never be coasting. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're retired. You should not be coasting. Amen, somebody? I don't care if you're currently unemployed. It doesn't matter. You should not be coasting. We all need to invest in personal development. Man, we need to be growing. If something's not growing, it's dying. And we need to be growing. And and our staff at Word of Grace, we invest heavily in personal growth and development. I personally invest. Word of Grace invests. We just got through doing our 2018 calendar as a staff the other day, and I was so encouraged because Jamie Hubbard, our Team WOG director, one of the things that she really spent a lot of time doing was finding ways to invest in Team WOG and helping all of you who serve in Team WOG and that are a part of the team to actually grow and be developed. And she has some very strategic things that she's going to be doing all throughout next year to help invest and help us to grow and I love when people want to grow I personally invest. Our church invest team, WOG, is investing. This is why we talk about community groups all the time, to so sharpen us, to help us invest. This is why we do things like the Global Leadership Summit that we do every August, and we're going to do it again this next August, where we're investing, where we're wanting to grow, and we're not satisfied just with where we're at. I love what Bill Heibel says. He says that when a leader gets better, everyone wins. I love that statement because it's so true. When, so- when we get better... And all of us have leadership, whether you're in charge or not. That's not what leadership means. Leadership is influence. So if you have influence at any level, when you grow, it affects all that you influence. It affects your children. It affects your marriage. It affects your church. It affects your friends. It affects your family. When you make the decision to grow and invest in personal development, and there's no better personal development than growing in your relationship with Christ. No better personal development than growing in your walk with Christ because Christ deals with you at the heart level. Now, I love reading personal development books. I love re- reading leadership books. Um, and, and, and all those things are great for head knowledge and they're great for, for practical application. But the thing that your relationship with God is going to do is it's going to hit you at the heart. Now, you need to learn skills. You need to develop those things. So that's why I read a lot of those books. And and I'll just throw a few of them out there that I really like that maybe you want to write down. I really like the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. I'm not getting royalties for this either. I really like Start With Why by Simon Sinek. If you really want to discover why you do what you do and really find that why and that passion... Simon next book, Start With Why, is fantastic. I love Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, and I love the classic Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Those are just some personal books that I will go back and read, even though I've read them once, they're worth reading again, because I think anything worth reading once is reading, worth reading again, if it's truly good and it's making an impact and it's challenging you, because you may be at a different season or a different place in life. Um, there's so many resources out there. We do not suffer for resources for personal growth in our day and time. I mean my goodness uh, could could anyone 100 years have or 50 years ago imagine what would be on YouTube imagine what would be available to us at the touch of uh, of a button you know I mean it's just insane what we have available to us so if we're not using it then it's not doing us any good so let's use the resources that are in front of us to be able to invest Personally, and grow first and foremost in our relationship with God, but then also in these other skills and areas as well. Because when a leader gets better, truly everyone wins. But the main thing that I want you to take home here today is that I want us to work in a way that would please God. And that's really what I've tried to help define today. This isn't an exhaustive list, it's just a list of things that I believe would help us as a church to see through Scripture how we could take this personal life application. And we could invest in working in a way that would please God. I found a really cool website that I want you to write down. It's called theologyofwork.org. All right? Theologyofwork.org. This is a cool website that I just stumbled across when I was doing my study and prep for this message that is a Christian website that just deals with work. That's all they deal with is like helping people to get better at work. And Theology of Work has small group Bible studies on there, and I flipped through some of those, and they had some really good ones on there, and I poured through the website just to see what all they offer and what they do. And it's just a resource to encourage people to do exactly what I'm trying to teach you to do today, and that's to grow in our career in a way that would honor and glorify God. Man, and how we can use the opportunity and the platform at work to grow as Christians and to show show the love and truth of Christ in something that we're going to spend 92,000 hours on average doing in our lifetime. And so if I'm going to spend that much time, if I'm going to collectively spend 10 full years doing this of my life, that means 24/7, by the way, 10 full years, 92,000 hours, why not use it for the glory of God? Amen. So here's something cool. On theologyofwork.org, I just said they have Bible studies and stuff like that, that you could actually do at work. And so I want to challenge you, and I want to encourage you to maybe find one of those studies. Maybe you could do with some folks at work. Maybe you could just uh, encourage them. You would actually be helping them to grow, and you grow, and be a blessing to the company as well. So why don't don't you just take something like that, whether you do it personally or you do it with others. If you can do it with others, do it with others, because, man, it's going to help them to grow too. And it may show them that love and truth of God. And who knows what God would do through something like that. But whatever you do, work in a way that would honor and glorify God. It strengthens our witness for the gospel. And it gives love and value to other people. And this is us living out truth in our everyday lives. Because it affects all of these things that that, that we think God doesn't care about. But listen, God cares about every aspect of our life. Amen? Amen? especially an aspect of our life that's going to consume 92,000 hours on average of our lifespan. So what are you going to do differently when you go to work this week? I gave you a lot of stuff. So what's one thing you're going to zero in on? I want to challenge you here. Here's the application piece. What are you going to do? You can go, oh, that was a good sermon, pastor. I enjoyed it. Whatever. It's good. I appreciate that. But what are you going to do? That's the difference maker. What are you going to do differently? I gave you 10 things And God may have given you more that maybe I didn't even share, but the Holy Spirit working through the word stirred something in you and you saw something. You're like, oh, you know, I could do this. I could do that. I want to challenge you to actually do that. Don't overwhelm yourself. I just want to challenge you. Take one thing. Take one thing and I want you to grow in it. I want you to invest in it. I want you to change your attitude. Change your mindset towards your work. Change your mindset towards your customers, to your coworkers, to your boss, to the company in general. avoiding the negativity would be a good place for you to begin to start maybe you've been sucked into negativity too often maybe you haven't looked at it that way maybe you're just seeing it differently I never thought about doing it as unto God or seeing my work as ministry maybe I I, I never saw that I could do this or that I never thought about using something like this as a Bible study or a small group study whatever the case may be, do it and if you're doing a small group study, hey, let us know. We would love to know that you're doing that so we can support you and provide resources to you as, as a leadership team here at Word of Grace that me and my staff and, and Pastor Keith, who's our, our community groups director, he could open up all sorts of resources to you. Man, let us know you're wanting to do that. We want to help you. You're not, you don't have to go with this alone, okay? And, and let us know so we can be praying for you in your small group study too. That'd be awesome. Whatever the case may be, do something, all right? take this word and do something to grow in your career because I believe that this life application could have profound effect if we would take it and do more than just be hearers of the word but be doers, amen why don't you stand with me this morning God I thank you for this day thank you for every person here I pray that you help us all to grow in our careers Father regardless of what they may be help us to set the ethical standard help us to check our heart and our attitude Father, help us to exceed expectations help us to grow in faithfulness Help us to continue, Lord, to see the time that you've given us is valuable and precious. And that even though we're spending this time providing for our families and putting food on the table and and, and earning income, Lord, help us to see it as so much more than that. I pray you stir us to be a people of purpose, that, that our purpose spans beyond Sunday morning. But Lord, that we go out as lights into the darkness and we shine your light so bright by the way that we do our work, by the way we interact with people, by the way we love others by the way we're patient, by the way that we are encouraging at work and we can just be that positive voice for you, Lord, and showing people that love and truth and living the gospel every day in front of people, God. Help us to do that, Lord. I pray you give us strength and courage to do these things, to take these next steps that you've spoken to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.